Thanks, Joe. Surprise! How's everybody doing? Did you have a good Thanksgiving? So, this week we went back to uh, where I lived during high school in this little town called Franklin, North Carolina. My mom still lives there. And uh, whenever I go back, it's always this weird, you know, like interesting time of going back, but you're different now, but you're like thinking, connecting with some of the people back there. So I actually got to meet, uh, have breakfast with my old youth pastor and his wife from when I was there, you know. I spent from eighth grade through high school uh, with these people, and I thought that they were the coolest. Like looking back, I thought that they had everything figured out that they were like hearing from God every day, that their lives were perfect, that they were doing these really amazing things. And as I'm sitting there having breakfast with them, uh, how 20 years later, I was like, they're just so normal. <laughs> they're just like regular people. And I knew that in the time, but looking back, it just was like hitting me. And we were talking about all these things that we did and these huge memories in my life. And it was kind of shocking to me that, you know, they were at the age that I am now when I was in that time. Like they had three little kids and they were exhausted all the time like I am now. And they let us come to their house and play with their kids. They probably really loved that, actually. Um, But I was just thinking about this, like, huge, transformative, influential time in my life and these people that meant so much to me. And and God just kept showing me, like, it was so ordinary. Have you ever felt that before? Like, kind of like some of the stories that we share, like what Jesse's talking about. It was like just a regular thing. Like, we just showed up and stuff started happening. Most of what John, my youth pastor, did was just invite me in to be a part of his life. He showed me, he pointed out the things that he saw God doing in his life and the things that he saw in me. He spoke who I was over me. He reminded me that I was a beloved son of God, that I was chosen for a purpose. He prayed simple prayers for me. He encouraged me. He took me out to lunch. We played together. And in that moment, I just was filled with gratitude for people like him. Do you have anybody in your life like that? So what, what we're going to talk about today is the kingdom of God. And uh, Joe started this talk last time, if you were around. And it's this amazing reality of God's reign and rule, the kind of life that happens when we see God intervening in the affairs of people. Like, that is the kingdom of God. It is is the power, the life of heaven, the future breaking into our world now. But the thing that I want to say is that it happens so often in the everyday, ordinary moments. So the, one of the best verses comes from Mark 1 uh, that Joe mentioned. It says, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near Repent and believe the good news. So there's, there's a mindset change. It's this very simple and, and sometimes subtle thing that happens where we start to see the world and start living in a different way. 
the life of heaven, which most of us think is for the future, right? Like heaven is after we die. But the good news of the kingdom is that it's coming close here and now, breaking in to our everyday lives. So this is, this is like a big theological concept, right? And we use terms to help us try to like make sense of it. We talk about things like the already and the not yet of this tension that we live in where like we get to experience some of it fully here and yet not fully completed. And this is foundational to who we are as a church. As a family on mission, we have to have a grasp of the kingdom of God But the question that I want to look into a little bit more today is, how are we supposed to live as a result? Like, what does this actually look like to live like Jesus as kingdom people trusting uh, in this good news? And what difference does it make with how we engage with the people uh, outside of the church, the people that, that don't believe yet, the people who haven't encountered God? So what we're going to do is we're going to look at a very short, simple, everyday life story of Jesus. And it's found in Luke chapter 14. Six verses. Uh, If you have a Bible and you want to pull that out, uh, it will also be on the screen. But I want to look at this passage. And this happens as Jesus is eating dinner. Like, it's it's so, uh, so ordinary. But I want to hear what God might want to speak to us from this story. And really, I want to just ask us a few questions and spend some time reflecting. Like, what does it mean? What does it look like to live a kingdom life? You with me? Yeah. Yeah? Still with me? Okay. So Luke uh, 14, 1 through 6. <clears throat> one Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the law, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, Will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. This is the story for today. What jumps out to you from this passage? Anything just kind of stand out or feel like it was highlighted? This, this doesn't happen to me all the time, but uh, I was reading this passage and thinking about a message that I was going to give. And I, I felt like immediately the Holy Spirit just highlighted this one phrase to me. And he said, that's it. That's the sermon. And this is what it is. Any, any guesses? No, I won't make you guess. This is what it was. Jesus was being carefully watched. Jesus was at a dinner party. He was doing his normal thing. He was going to eat. He was probably hungry. He was probably, like, excited about the meal. And everybody there had their eyes on Jesus. The message paraphrase says, all of the guests had their eyes on him, watching his every move. It's always all about Jesus, right? 
Like, this is, this is a way that we need to learn to read the Bible uh, from this perspective. Jesus is always the main character. Jesus is always the hero. And we, as followers of him, get to join in with what he's doing. So we're going to get to this cool healing. We're going to get to the weird questions that Jesus asked in just a minute. But first, the people were watching Jesus closely. But why? He wasn't on a stage. He didn't have a microphone. He wasn't delivering some great teaching. He's not putting on a healing conference. Like there was no uh, Insta story about it. Jesus was just going out to dinner and everybody just was waiting to see what he was going to do. Because word had gotten out about the kinds of things that happen whenever Jesus shows up. You never know what he might do. He was and is fascinating. You see, everyone in that room, all of the people there had come with expectations, probably even some agendas of what they wanted to see Jesus do or what they were hoping they could, uh, you know, make happen that night. Or maybe some people there were just there with questions like, what is this guy all about? Like, what is going to happen you see, in these stories that we read in the Bible, I, I really believe they're not that much different from our everyday lives. There are people in the room who are coming with expectations, with questions, who want to see what's going on. And so there's always a different mix of people in the room. And in this room, we can see that, that some, I believe, were cynical. Like the, the religious people, they, they, they didn't really like the way that Jesus was doing things. They had heard a lot of stories, but maybe they didn't believe them. And so they wanted to catch, catch Jesus in a lie. They wanted to set a trap for him. They wanted to prove that he was a fraud, that he wasn't really from God, or he wasn't really doing things in the right way. Others there, I think, were just curious. Like, could these stories actually be true? Like... That sort of thing doesn't really happen anymore, does it? Like, do people get healed? Is that a thing? Still, other people in the room, I believe, were hungry. They were in need. They were in pain. And they were just desperate for a touch of what Jesus could do. If this guy has power, if there is something available that can change my life, that can help me, I want, a part of, I want to be a part of it. I want to get a taste and some others in the room, one more group of people, uh, were students, apprentices. We call them disciples in the Bible. These are people that had committed their lives to watching Jesus closely to see what he was going to do so that they could learn to be like him, so that they could do the stuff that he did. They had given up everything to experience and start to live out the kind of life that Jesus was living. You see, Jesus lived a questionable life. Have you ever heard that phrase? Like, sounds like suspect, right? But, but what it means is that <clears throat> the way that Jesus lived caused every person who encountered him to have a lot of questions about who he was. Like, wait, who are you? What's happening right now? What, what did you just do? What is going on? What kind of world are we living in? From the outside, it was, it was very basic, but the way that he lived, who he was and what he did caused the people to ask a lot of questions. And his way of life challenged the beliefs and the worldviews of the religious and the non-religious alike. 
It just messed up all of their categories. Things didn't fit into the easy answers that we typically have. And so people followed him around, literally just to catch a glimpse of what might happen. The kingdom of God was breaking in to seemingly ordinary moments. So here's the first question. Are you watching Jesus? Like, is that the way that you are living your life? Regardless of, you know, whatever uh, of those categories um, you fit into, are you watching Jesus? And why? Like, seriously, what are you hoping to get out of watching Jesus in the midst of your life? Are you trying to actually uh, be like him? You see, our lives are filled with screens and with stories, right? So if I were to just start off by saying, what are you watching right now? Most of you would like think of your, your Netflix um, watch list or whatever your, your thing is. Um, our lives are filled with screens. We have news headlines. There's information. There's entertainment. It's just distractions galore. We are all watching something we talked about this last month a bunch in regards to worship, right? Like where we give our attention, the things that we look at, um, the things that we behold end up shaping us. There's a car in our neighborhood uh, over by Cole and Kira's house that has a bumper sticker that says, Binge Jesus. I kind of like that. Like how often does he make it onto our, our watch list, Right? So where have you seen Jesus in your life lately? That's the point of these stories that we share. That's why we always share stories at house group. Uh, almost every house group, if you've ever come to one, um, there's some kind of a question like that. Like, where have you seen Jesus lately? Because we want to actually grow in paying attention and noticing the ways that Jesus is at work in our lives. And we don't just want... Uh, old stories from years ago, right? Like when I was seven, this thing happened. That's awesome and it changes our lives, but Jesus is alive and we are hungry for fresh encounters, fresh bread, like God, do it again. We want to hear what he's saying to us right now. We want to partner with what he's doing in this very moment, but how many of those moments do we miss out on because we're just not paying attention? I asked this question um, about this time last year, I think, in a little prayer exercise that I was doing. And so I asked this question, Jesus, show me where you're at in our city. Like, where are you in Covington? What are you up to? And I felt like immediately I saw this picture of Jesus ducking into a dark alley in Covington, uh, just wearing a hoodie and putting that, that hood up over his head. And he kind of looked back at me. And he gave me, like, a fun, like, adventurous smile, like, this is going to be good. And then he ducked into an alley. <clears throat> and immediately in that moment, I felt this, like, super strong invitation, like, that's where I'm supposed to go. Like, that is what we are supposed to do. What if our mission, what if the way that we understood following Jesus in this season was to help make sure everyone knows how much he loves them? What if we follow Jesus to the unexpected, maybe neglected places of our city to share his love? So that's the first question. Are you watching Jesus? 
reflect on that. Second, are people watching you? Sounds kind of creepy, right? Like, are people watching you? Are the people around you in your life interested to see, uh, are, are they interested in what they see happening in your life? Is there anything going on in, in how you live your life that, that causes them to ask questions? Because part of following Jesus and putting his way of life into practice means that we start living questionable lives as well. We want our community, our, our house groups, our rhythms, our everyday comings and goings to be a compelling alternative to the world. You know, one of the comments that I sometimes hear, and I'll just do a humble brag about uh, our community, because this is one of my favorite things to hear, is when people say, there's something different about y'all. And they mean it in a good way, usually. Like, there's, there's something different. Like, the way that you, like, really love people, I haven't seen that much. The joy and the hope that we have, the way that we serve and encourage other people. Wouldn't it be great if the church was known way more for those kinds of qualities? There should be an attractiveness to who we are and how we live our lives if we're actually paying attention and following Jesus. The way that we take risks, the way that we share generously. One of my hopes uh, in, in our early days. We, you know, we've been around for three years now. We're growing up as a church. We're getting old. Um, but one of my hopes was that what people would think of us, Vineyard Covington, was that they would know that we're the folks who pray for people and that we throw really good parties. And it's happening, for real. Like, I meet people sometimes in our neighborhood or around 6th District where my daughter goes to school, and, and they'll say, hey, aren't you from that church that threw the party here this summer? Like, you had a lot of sand that you brought in. That was really cool. Or, you know what, I was, I was um, over here one day, or I was at Isaiah House, and you guys prayed for me, and I got healed. Or something happened when you prayed for me. Some, something was different. A couple months ago at a, at a deuce hang, we were having a home run derby, and we did that, and it went great. Nobody got hurt, and so we thought, we should probably play football now. And, uh, and um, one of the guys from the neighborhood came in. He's, like, actually an athlete, like, played football and runs and stuff. And uh, he twisted his ankle, and it was really bad, and it swelled up, uh, you know. And it's just, like, the, the worst moment. You're like, no, we're too old for this. Uh, why did we do this? Um, but in that moment, several of the guys were just like, all right, let's pray for him. And they circled up, and uh, I was, you know, there, I was a part of it, but I just stepped back, and I was just watching all of these guys, a bunch of guys who aren't a part of our church, who don't believe in Jesus, that were just there, a part of this prayer, because they were just uh, seeing the way that we live our lives. Again, I really wish that, like, the swelling went away, and he was healed in that moment, but he felt loved. It was this, this really cool thing. I was remembering uh, the early COVID days when we would do everything outside. Like, now we're allowed to go inside, but I kind of wish we were outside more. Um, but in those early days, you know, we were doing everything in our front yard. We had our vision team meetings every Tuesday. We ate lunch. We were on our front porch. And around this time, we had some neighbors that had moved in. 
Uh, I'm trying to see if they're here right now. Well, I don't think they are. Uh, so I can talk about them. Um, so they moved in, lucky them, right between us and the Wasslers. They were kind of sandwiched in. And we, we were getting to know them. We didn't know who they were. Yeah, we'd had some talks. But they walked their dogs, and they were active, and they were out all of the time. And um, after, like, day after day, week after week of seeing us hanging out, um, Katie came up to us and said, you guys have way more fun than everyone in the neighborhood. I don't know what this is, but we want to be a part of it. Like, that's the dream, isn't it? Right? And the Mercs are such amazing people, by the way. Uh, they are a gift to this family. This doesn't happen every day, and it's not always obvious, but here's the thing. There are people around you, I guarantee it, who are watching how you live your life. They are looking for something real, something different, something that they want to be a part of. And we get to invite them into our lives following Jesus and experiencing his goodness together. There are people in your life who are learning what God is like by just watching you, watching your life. How much are you letting them in on it? There's a quote that's uh, attributed to Diedrich Bonhoeffer that says, Your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. I don't know how you hear that. It's really easy to be like, that's super challenging and I'm a terrible person. Right? Like, I am not doing a good job. Uh, it can be so easy to put all of this pressure on ourselves to think, like, we have to make something happen. We just got to get out there and do it. But guilt and shame are really terrible motivators. Is this really how God wants us to live? Is this what the kingdom breaking in looks like? So let's go back to that passage. The people were watching Jesus. Who was Jesus watching? Like he's at a party, there's people all around him with their agendas, their questions, their expectations. He was at the home of a uh, respected religious leader, right? And so there's like that church part on there, you know, the party, but it's a church party, so it's kind of weird. But then there's probably some people who are like, don't know the church rules who are there as well, you know, all this stuff. Um, there was power and influence, most likely wealth. There as well, like, so there's a lot of, of social, religious, political, uh, relational dynamics that are going on. But the eyes of Jesus in the midst of all of this are drawn to someone else. In verse 2, we read, there in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Can you, can you picture this, right? Like, there's all these people, there's all this stuff going on. There's a crowd around him, like people are probably trying to like, they've been practicing this dad joke that they want to tell Jesus, see if they can make him laugh. And in the midst of all of that, one guy is just highlighted to Jesus. Boom, there he is, front and center, just says right before him. Jesus focused on the one the suffering, the hungry, the lonely, the marginalized, the powerless. We can't watch Jesus without seeing his huge heart of compassion for people. He came to seek and save the lost. He didn't come for the healthy, but for the sick. 
He came to set the oppressed free. And in a noisy world, clamoring for more attention, Jesus sees those who are so often overlooked and forgotten. And he doesn't just see them. He moves towards them, right? He reaches out. And in those moments, the kingdom can break in. This is what makes this story interesting, right? So far, it was just a dinner party, totally ordinary, probably a little boring, some small talk. But all of a sudden, Jesus sees something, and he does something completely unexpected that caused everybody to lean in closer, right? And I believe it was because Jesus not only saw this guy, this, this suffering man in front of him, but he was actually watching someone else as well. The text doesn't say it explicitly here, but this is the pattern that we see for all of Jesus' ministry that he lays out for us. And this is actually, uh, if you start to see it, you'll notice it all throughout the book of Acts and over and over. This is how people following Jesus lived. In John chapter 5, by the way, another occasion where the religious leaders get really mad at Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. We're told in this story, actually, that it says they were, they were so mad that they wanted to kill him for healing a dude. Like, it's, it's weird, right? Um, but this is what Jesus says. This is kind of the, the response that he gives to the questions that the people are bringing towards him. He says, my father is always at work to this very day, and I, too, am working very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son. And he shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these. So that you will be amazed. Did you catch that? What did Jesus do? What could the son do on his own? Nothing. He only did what he saw the father doing, and the father is always at work. He's always doing something, even when we don't see it. Right? And, th and this is so crucial, because let's be real, there are so many moments of our life where we don't see it. It looks like nothing's happening. It seems like just an everyday conversation. It seems like just another meal. It seems like just another whatever it is. But the Father is always at work. And because he loves us, he shows us what he's doing. Right? This is, this is so simple, but I think really powerful. And I don't know how this makes you feel. Um, but for me, it means the pressure's off, right? Like, I don't have to make something happen. I don't have to come up with something. I just have to watch and learn to join in with what I see God doing. And that, uh, that is a skill. Like, this is something that we can learn and grow and practice, learning how to watch Jesus. And so when we talk about what it means to live a life of the kingdom, I think one of the number one things is it means that we're always paying attention. We're always watching. We're always expecting and looking and wondering, is, is this a moment where the kingdom might, be, might break in? And who is the Father highlighting in front of me? 
So imagine this scene with me just one more time. The people are watching Jesus. It's a crowded room. There's a lot of busyness. People are talking. Jesus sees the people. And by the way, like he knows their stuff that's going on. He knows the questions that they're asking and like all the religious stuff that they're bringing into this. But Jesus is watching the Father. Father, what are you doing here? Who are you directing me towards? And as he comes into alignment with the Father, his eyes are drawn to a man suffering, and he reaches out. And right there in the middle of dinner, a man's life is forever changed. And I just love how it says that Jesus took a hold of him. Right? Like, there's a sermon just in that. (laughs) Like, what happens when Jesus gets a hold of your life? Why would we even bother trying to do anything without Jesus, without seeing what God is doing? There's something powerful about watching, but we're not just spectators. We're invited to join in. You see, the people that were there, the people at the party, the religious leaders, same way, just like all of us, Uh, It didn't fit into what they expected. In fact, the religious people were really pissed about it. (laughs) Like, it was inappropriate. That is not where and when and how God is supposed to act, and he's not supposed to act through you. Like, we're the ones with the power. We're in charge. You're a nobody. Like, where are you getting this kind of authority from? That's not how it works with the kingdom. So what's your worldview when it comes to this stuff? That's what Joe has been helping us think about, right? Like, do we have a worldview that looks like Jesus? Is it religious? It says healing encounters with God only happen at church. Is it secular? Like, that sort of thing just doesn't happen anymore. It's just a bunch of phony baloney. It's good vibes. Or, like Jesus, is it a kingdom worldview? My father is always at work, and his kingdom can break in at any time in any place. It's in these ordinary moments of life where kingdom people learn to see and partner with what God is doing. It's happening all of the time, and it's not all of that complicated, but it is challenging because we are so distracted. What would happen, what would change in our lives if we honestly lived with the expectation that the kingdom, the healing, saving power of God could break in wherever we go at any time? There's a phrase uh, in the vineyard that we use. Um, it's, a, it's a distinctive of who we are that we call naturally supernatural. Has anybody heard this phrase before? Naturally supernatural. So this is actually uh, one thing that from the very beginning, Vineyard Covington, our team decided that this is a core value of who we are and how we want to live. And it really, I think, is one of the best ways of, of summing up all of what we're talking about. Because it describes this exact idea. And so there's a guy, a vineyard legend named Mike Tergiano from Brooklyn. Uh, he started a church in Brooklyn at a place called the Trash Bar. I think that that beats the leaping lizard. Um, <clears throat> but he's this really awesome guy. He's kind of a legend. And so he wrote a, an article I just want to really quick uh, go through that, that sums up what this means. He says, being naturally supernatural is fundamental to who we are for several reasons. One, it means everybody gets to play. You can be uniquely yourself 
whoever you are, and God can still use you. It relieves the pressure to perform. We don't have to make something happen. We can just act normal, and God will still show up. It opens up ministry opportunities outside, uh, in, in the marketplace, not just in the church. And outsiders don't feel intimidated or put off when we pray because there's no weirdness There's no hype, no manipulation. And in those moments, receptivity to God increases dramatically. And finally, being naturally supernatural paves the way for people to actually experience God's loving and healing presence in a way that feels neither threatening or embarrassing. Like... If we live this sort of life, we're not, we're not extra weird or religiously, religious-y. We're not hypey. We're not manipulating. Like, people can actually experience the loving power of God. Steve Nicholson, who's a, another vineyard legend guy, he says it this way. It means don't be any weirder than you have to be. Right? Like, it's, it's already kind of weird hearing God and praying for people, like believing that his power can, can come in and change our lives. Most people aren't walking around with that belief. So let's not make it churchy weird too. Like don't yell at people and uh, push them down and stuff. <laughs> um, let's just join in with what God is doing in a very naturally supernatural way. Um, and so this has been a, a message of the vineyard that served us for a, a a generation. For me, this was so refreshing the first time I experienced the vineyard because I had had real encounters with the Holy Spirit, but they were in really weird churchy places that kind of freaked me out and left me like, I don't know if I want that. But in the vineyard, people were just so real, and the power of God broke in. And so don't be any weirder than you have to be. That's what we say a lot. But as I was thinking about this for us, for our people, and in this moment, I really felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit. I felt like he was saying, but maybe we've overcorrected. Maybe we've been trying so hard to not be weird that we've just completely taken our eyes off of Jesus. That we've forgotten about the power of the kingdom that breaks into everyday moments in our lives. And so if you're anything like me, when you're hanging out with people outside of the church, you're like just, I, I almost hope that they don't know I'm a Christian for like five or ten years. You know, like I'll talk about Jesus one day once they build up trust and, you know, this deep friendship, like probably about ten years, that's my plan. I'd, I'd go the long game, right? But what moments are we missing out By trying to not be weird and not joining in with what the Father is doing. I think our world needs to be a little more weird. Not churchy weird. Not religious weird. Not hypey. But kingdom weird. Different like Jesus. Don't hide who we are and what we've experienced. Don't diminish the life. This is like Joe was talking about. Our stories. Have we experienced grace Forgiveness, healing, transformation. God wants to do it again in the lives of more and more people around us. He is making all things new. So most of this is super simple. It's just paying attention. 
So as we wrap this up, I just want to give two really quick uh, practical examples of, of what this looks like. Because it's easy to say, okay, just watch what the Father's doing and then do that. Like, okay, but, but how do we do that, right? Um, so two really, really practical things. And uh, most of you probably already know how to do this. Um, but I believe the most powerful tool we have in these moments is seven words. Can I pray for you right now? Can I pray for you right now? Because most people, when you say that, they, they expect you to pray for them later. Like, well, I'll go to my prayer closet and I'll, I'll keep you in my prayers. But it's in those moments right now that the kingdom breaks in. And people very rarely in my life refuse prayer. Sometimes they do it. But you know what? If they do, or if, if nothing even seems to happen in that moment, if we do it in a naturally super way, if we, we're paying attention to the Father, people feel loved. They feel seen and cared for, and that opens up doors for more and more of the Spirit to come and, and work in their lives. Not big fancy prayers, but just simple words like, be healed. Pain, go away. Jesus, let your kingdom come. Come, Holy Spirit. And the key is to watch, right? That's where we're kind of weird. Like we pray with our eyes open. Because you can literally see things start to happen. Eyes fluttering, swaying, maybe hands shaking, tears. When the spirit moves in power, it's not always like a tidal wave, or at least not at first. But there are always signs. I was praying for a guy last week, and uh, uh, I was praying for his ear because he had a ringing in his ear. And I really felt like God was doing something, but I wasn't sure. So I was just like, are you feeling anything right now? And he just flatly went, nope. And then he just started crying. <laughs> he was just like, nope, nothing at all. Waterfalls. Like, I think God might be doing something, right? I had no idea. I was just watching. and like, more, Lord. <laughs> we join in with, with what he's doing, but we have to, to watch. And one, one last thing that I want to say is when we, when we talk about naturally supernatural, a lot of times we think about healing first because it's like it's the cool one, you know. It's like it gets the, the glam. It's the best stories when somebody gets healed. But I think we have something that is, is just as powerful and is really uh, open to all of us. And it's just to simply encourage people around us, to speak life, to remind them of who they are. We discount this, but I can't tell you how many times I've had this happen in my life or where I've been talking to somebody else, and all of a sudden they just stop and they say, how did you know that? Or why did you say that? <laughs> That's one of the best ones. Why did you say that? I don't know. I just felt like God told me to tell you this. And then it opens up this story and then, and then right there, you get that with the one-two punch. Can I pray for you right now? Right? The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 4 says, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Again, not super weird or churchy. No, thus saith the Lord. But just, here's what I see. When I, like, does, does this resonate in your life? And if you want a prompt for this, we're, we're going to be talking more about this, but a simple prompt, when you're, when you're out with somebody, try this. When I look at you, I see this. When I look at you, this is what I see. This is how I feel like God sees you. We're just sharing what we've received from Jesus. That is naturally supernatural. Don't overcomplicate it. 
It's mostly just paying attention and trying to join in with what the Father is doing. So let's all stand. The band can come back up, and we're going to we're going to enter into a, a time of communion, and then we are going to pray for each other. And so we're going to practice this. <clears throat> Let's practice putting our eyes on Jesus. Because here's, here's the thing. We can only give away to others what we have received. And so we do this practice whenever we gather together of communion, where, where, where we respond to the invitation of Jesus. We remember his sacrifice, and we come forward to receive his love. So if you're comfortable with this, just close your eyes. Maybe hold out your hands as, as a posture, um, just like openness to receive from God. Imagine we're at the party. The busyness the people, the questions, a whole crowd of people gathering around, watching Jesus, and he sees you. There was a man, there's a woman, there's a teenager, there's a child right in front of Jesus. He looks out, he sees you, he grabs your shoulder. What do you need to receive from Jesus today? You see, the last reminder of what this is all about when we talk about the kingdom, when we talk about being naturally supernatural, hospitality, a life of mission, all of this, it doesn't mean anything if we forget that it's all about love. So we're going to sing one more song, and as you come forward, um, if, if you're hungry for Jesus, if you're moving towards him, if you want what he has in your life, I want to invite you to come and to receive. There's a, a table at each side. You can come forward and uh, dip the bread in the juice, and then we're going to, going to continue to worship. But I just want to read one more, one more scripture over you as you come forward. This is from uh, Ephesians chapter 5. And this is the message version. So keep your eyes closed. Watch what God does. And then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. So as we worship, come and receive. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus.